Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen. Dennis Dick with you on this uh, Super Bowl Monday morning. Uh, a lot of news to discuss. We'll talk Super Bowl for like a little bit, like a minute. But beyond moving beyond that, Gilead is making a, a crazy move this morning. We'll talk about why and whether or not that move was justified. Um, just still tracking the coronavirus. Nothing really new on that front. Well, Gilead is what's new on that front. So we'll talk the move in Gilead here. A lot of ratings happening this morning, upgrades, downgrades, initiation. So we'll talk about that. Talk about the move in China overnight and what that means for our market this morning. And we'll preview Google's earnings after the close today. Our guest at 835 will be joined by Sean Udall, who is the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies. And Joel, what is the word here overnight? Ah, got some nice green on the screen, up 16.25 handles at 32.40 and a quarter. Pre-market low, uh, just below that daily close at 32.24. We hit 32.22 off the open and then, boom, straight up. 32.50, 50 is your pre-market high. Nothing up there, folks. Uh, my weekly number to determine if we're going back up to old-time highs is 3.245. So we'll keep an eye on that. Crude moving towards $50, down four cents at $51.52. Gold can, cannot get back over $1,600, down $470 at $1,583.20. Silver in the red by 0. .222 cents at $1,779. Bitcoin, let's call it flat here, uh, up $5 at $94.45. Let's bring on Triple D. Triple D, did you... Uh, did you get the Super Bowl, or do you guys just get the great cop in Canada? Oh, yeah. We don't, it doesn't come across. We can't get U.S. television in Canada yet. So Maybe you oh, should Who won? It. Who won? The Kansas City Chiefs won. The <laughs> Super Bowl indicator says that's bad for the market. But uh, did you watch part of the game, Dennis? You watched I did. Part of it. You know what the tipping point was? The and halftime you, show. <laughs> wow. Let's not oh, talk about sorry. that. Every male in America loved that halftime show. But, <laughs> but, Interesting. But if you could do, and I know this is going to be available soon, if you could do intra-game wagering, you know what I mean? When the games are actually going on, like you used to be able to do on trade sports. Can't you still do that? Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's sites and that that's do that. fair you can, but not on the U.S. books. But when, when uh, San Fran was up 20 to 10, and Casey was driving, and they threw that second interception. And then the whole San Francisco defense runs down to the end zone and starts shaking and dancing like the game is over. 
Yeah. I would have started lifting offers to KC to win. You don't do that in the Super Don't flaunt Bowl. it. Don't, don't do give that. them momentum. Don't get them. Don't get don't them. Get, don't let them get emotion into there. Yeah, and that was it. They fell about, you know, uh, and they fell apart after that. Spinner says Super Bowl indicator has been wrong four years in a row. Uh, that is true, but uh, so so it's a contraindicator. Oh, it's a oh we excellent. Now we've got another indicator. <laughs> An indicator of indicator. Spencer, what did uh, did you think about the game? Oh, I thought it flew by. I, I, it was a good game. I looked down. It was the fourth quarter already. I was like, wow. It was a good it, game. It, it flew by, and then yep. I – fourth quarter, and then I was like, oh, man, it must, must be pretty early. And then, nope, it was 1030, and I had a 45-minute drive home. And, but, you know, it was good. good great game. Oh, nothing you can say. Um, I, I was telling Joel, though, uh, I did go to uh, the my, my first – I had my first experience going to a – a recreational dispensary in, in Michigan now because it's, it's legal. Cannabis is legal here uh, recreationally. So I went to a recreational dispensary yesterday really? in, in Ann Arbor. And How was that? It was good. It was a good experience. Uh, Exciting. It was, I was in and out in like five minutes. There was, I had to wire was, more money. There was nobody there. Um, <laughs> I had to wire more money. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, as long as you have, you know, a balanced state issued ID you're, and you're over the age of, I think it's 21. Really? You're, yeah. The world is changing. world is changing. Yeah. Anyways, the world is changing all over the place. Nice rally here this morning. Um, obviously, we had the ugly day on Friday where the market finally started to get some sense into it. We, I've been challenging the market all week and not understanding why it won't go down with the potential uh, contagion here. And I don't know if it's a contagion, but the, what are they calling it? A pandemic? Potentially, uh-huh. but the potential pandemic, we'll call it. I have not understood at all why the market uh, continues to be so resilient. It's resilient again here this morning. I still think, like I was saying before, I'm not buying dips. I'm selling reps. I sold more Friday morning before we started dipping. I sold. Uh, I actually sold some S and P uh, spy out of my long term portfolio, which I've never done before. And I also sold something else too. Oh, I sold out Manulife, which is Canadian. I was like, nah, I'm not owning that one either. So just lightening up the portfolio. I'm actually at a portion now where my portfolio is probably as much cash as I've had since the financial crisis. So um, but we'll see. You know, I'm making a call that I think this thing is not – I think we're only early innings. I think we're in the let's, early innings. Let's just throw out the entire you know, virus right? and everything that's going on with that. The market was up 30% last year. Okay, we had an amazing some profit taken. We had, we had an amazing January. Okay, so even if you throw this out, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for the market to have a correction here. So I mean, you know, you have to look at the different factors. Election year, pretty positive for the market, though you do have you know some different things going on. But uh, you know, I mean. A healthy correction is always good for the market. You certainly don't want a catalyst such as we have right now, but markets look for catalysts. So there's a potential catalyst in the market to take it down a frothy market here. So I, I don't think, you know, I think you got to look at this from a couple different perspectives if you're a long-term investor. I just think there's so much, um, you know, there's just so much craziness happening even around this virus i mean check out the action in gilead here oh. overnight this just goes to show you like and people are questioning why are you analyzing numbers you know i'm on twitter and i'm looking at the numbers and i've been challenging the mortality rate for 
quite some time because they're saying it's only 2%, but the way they calculate it, I don't agree with that because they're calculating the new cases and looking at the deaths, but people aren't dying on the first day they're diagnosed. So it'd be more a better, you know, and I, I'm looking more at that healed number and the healed number isn't climbing as much as, you know, you'd hope it's, it's kind of hanging close with the deaths number, which, you know, I don't like. But it just goes to show you this action in Gilead. So it was announced Friday night. Give us the headline, Spencer. And Joel will take you tail of the tape here from this morning, which was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, this is Gilead's drug that I believe also was used for uh, Ebola uh, and SARS. And, or was developed to fight Ebola, at least. And they're, they're testing it uh, to see of its efficacy uh, with this current coronavirus. Because that's what all, the, all these viruses are, essentially different strands of coronaviruses so they're they're testing the gilead drug developed for ebola uh and seeing if it if it could work for for this current coronavirus but they don't they don't know yet how effective it'll be they're just testing it yeah so they're testing it so this popped up a little bit on friday night um i actually could have bought it i could have bought it at 64 and i'm like wow it's gilead i mean they're just testing it. i mean we've heard abvi didn't we hear abvi last week doing some testing too Yes, we did. Weren't, weren't they talking about AbbVie as potential doing some testing on using one of their drugs? Yes, um, they and, were. and that stock got a lift a little bit, but that lift was faded. I mean, this got absolutely silly here. I couldn't even believe it when you told me, uh, Joel, just a few minutes ago. I did not look at where it went to at 4 a.m. But this is just in the 4, 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. If you're trading between 4 and 5 a.m., you need to understand liquidity is very, very low and stocks can go a lot of places that make absolutely no sense. How high did Gilead get this morning? 7770 and this is actually one of those occasions where there there was a volume trading. It traded up there. I went and looked at the tape and it traded up in the 70s for the better part of an hour. This is Gilead. This is one of the biggest, you know, biotech companies in the world. It's not like this one drug that might temporarily experimentally help the virus, which you know, I hope it does. But it's not a game changer for them. Like, I, do you believe this is a long-term virus that's going to be out here forever and we're all going to have to take this drug to survive? I mean, that's what the market was pricing when the thing goes to $77. It's, it's insanity. The Gilead is thick. It moves a buck or two. That's a big move for Gilead. To move Gilead 14 points, it needs, that, that would be like a takeover. I mean, absolutely crazy. So I don't know who's paying. And I wish I would have been up before in the morning because I'd have been shorting hand over fist on that one. That's just craziness 66 sounds a little more fair but again you know I, I don't even know if that holds up so maybe it does because everybody's got a little fear going on this thing now uh, but man that 77 dollars yeah, is absolutely ridiculous uh going back to the dailies here well actually i just want to make one more comment you know regarding the overall market and you know the toll of the virus up to this point let's say everything ended tomorrow right and everything was back to normal in china there has been, you know, there's been disruption in the Chinese economy, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, these quarterly numbers are coming out great. Apple closes their iPhone store, et cetera. So, you know, there's already going to be an economic damage. impact. There, there, there has to be. There's just no way. So that's, you know, that's the other thing that you're looking at that is from, my, you know, my perspective, it may be reflected in the next quarter, the longer it goes on. But it's going to be a lot of earnings warnings coming. You know, maybe they shrug them off because this is only, you know, a one-time event. But there's got to be a lot of warnings. I mean, a lot of these places, do, you know, Disney numbers, let's just talk about Disney. I mean, they've closed a park. It's got to cost some money to do that. So, and you know what? They're holding the stock up. Disney's held up fairly well. I mean, I'm surprised. And Joel, to your point, two-thirds of the, of the 
Chinese economy is still closed. Two thirds of it is closed right now. Right. It, and it's how much is China of the global economy? Some is saying it's over 20%. I don't know if that's numbers yeah. are right, yeah. but yeah, it's I, significant. That's, that's no, I don't know if 20% is right, but I did read that on Twitter. I'm not sure if it was right. I don't have anything to verify that, but it's significant. So uh, it's got to hit, you know, all so many multinational corporations, their, their international numbers, when they're bringing them in, are going to get hit on this. Even, at, at, even if they solve the problem tomorrow, like you're saying. And I don't believe this problem is, I think, personally, I think we're in the very early innings of this. I don't think we're in like inning seven and, you know, Gilead, here's the cure. We're all saved. Experimental drug. And, you know, they're, they're going to get a vaccine. It's not the, that's not the issue. But how quickly does that get to market? Because we've looked at the numbers here on the show last week, and you know we're up to over seventeen thousand cases here now, and you start thinking, um, you know, it's going to probably, you know, what are the real numbers? First of all, do we even believe China? Secondly, when you're doing the math, even if they have, you know, and obviously the, the market, the numbers haven't going up as much as they were because probably some of the quarantines, some of their, you know, actions here to try to contain the virus are working. But you know, even at that, you can see how this number is going to probably get into the hundreds of thousands here in the next couple of weeks. And that's scary when that many people are affected. If it's not already there, like we said, a lot of people don't believe the numbers coming out of China, and I'm not sure I do either. So there's a lot of things to still be nervous about. So I'm looking at this. I've hedged a lot of my portfolio. I've sold some, and I've got puts. So I'm sit standing pat here for now because I think, I think we're in the early innings. Right. And uh, just going back to the Gilead, uh, holding 66. I'm going to look at that. Philip 66 here. Holding 66, he had one, two, three highs in the lower 66s. So a breakout from that level. You hold 66. I think you're going to run into problems at, you know, 68 right now. Looks like just some offers are stacking up. I think you'll find some more offers at 70. You know, people that got caught, I mean, 140,000 shares traded in that bracket there. Yeah. So holding 66, I don't know anything about the drug. I don't know anything about the test. Uh, but for Gilead today, important to hold 66. It was trading up 65, 66 after hours. And that felt, okay, you know, they got an experimental. That, that felt right. It's just, you know, it was irrational exuberance, for lack of a better word, at 4 a.m. You know, people coming in and saying, oh, I've read all the headlines all weekend. Gilead's got this thing. Bye, 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 bye. 4 a.m. trading is very dangerous. I honestly, and, and I trade it sometimes, but you've got to have a lot of experience trading those hours because if you're coming in, you get crazy pricing sometimes. I like it because there's crazy, there's, there's obviously a lot of inefficiencies at 4 a.m. And I, before I had kids, I used to trade those hours all the time because there is inefficiencies there. But, you know, I got kids, hard to get up at four in the morning to trade the markets and then trade them all day too. So it's a different story. I'm just too tired to do it. But, you know, five, five, seven years ago, I traded 4 a.m. lots of times because there's inefficiencies like this Gilead and no business being over 70, let alone 77. Just nuts. It's not like this is a small spec biotech company. It's going to go up 200% on this. This is Gilead. This is one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. It's, it's been struggling to find any growth of anything for a while. This is a story for it now. And that could, story can carry it a little ways, but I don't think this is a $70 stock. And I, I, what I like to say is that it's, 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 if you're new at it or something and you're doing it and you have something that you want to exit, you have something at a target or whatever. If you had a 75 target in Gilead on your long or something, may, you know, of course, things can go much more in your direction in the regular session. 
But, you know, look at it from, wow, I got a 75 target here. It closed at 64. Uh, look at it from that perspective. Get but are you up at four in the morning to take advantage of that, too, is the question. Yeah, that's a question. I mean, Get and it. do you have access? A lot of retail platforms don't even give you access at four in the morning. So yeah, like, like somebody was asking, where do you trade it for? I mean, they're, ARCA and, and NASDAQ are open at 4 a.m. That's the open. So the actual hours, so, you know, obviously everybody thinks the market's 9.30 at 4, and I get these questions all the time. I'm working at 6 o'clock at night, and they're, what do you trade in the Asian markets? People, 99% of people out there, you know, not, not traders, but of, of, you know, just normal people don't realize that you can trade the market after hours. So, yeah, 4 a.m. is the open, ARCA, NSDQ. Obviously, the regular opens 9.30, and then 8 p.m. is the close in ARCA, NSDQ. Edge opens up at 7, so a little bit different. You know, the direct edge exchanges open up at 7, so a little bit different hours there. But on ARCA, NSDQ, you can trade as early at 4 a.m. And yeah, and TD's got the thing where you can trade 24 hours a day, but that's their own internal markets, and they're only doing it on some ETFs where, they're head, where they can hedge out the risk. Uh, nice little bump here. Another leg up in the S&P futures. Uh, now we are up nearly 20 handles. I love the rally. Yep. There we you know, go. I, it's, I, I hope they solve the thing. And I really hope I'm, I'm wrong. You know, obviously I was very bearish last week and Friday, you know, gave me, you know, obviously looked a, a little bit like maybe I'm right here. Um, but you know, the rally here this morning, they could contain this thing. I mean, there's so many, there's so many unknowns. The reason I went more to cash and the reason I was protecting my portfolio is because the insurance was cheap. When it was priced out and I'm paying 1.5% to, to, to hedge myself for the next month, it seemed too cheap not to take that because I think the risk was much more than 1.5%. So, and obviously we saw that on Friday when the markets fall over 2% in one day. So I'm not saying, I, I don't have shorts on, I'm not making money on this. Um, you know, I do have some puts, but that's all that is protective puts on my portfolio. I'm trying not to lose money is what I'm trying to do. I'm still trading. And obviously I put, I do put shorts on in my trading account, but on my long-term investing account, I never go short. You know, I'm still believing the long-term markets that the long-term markets continue to go higher. But during the financial crisis, I was hedging myself and I feel like this is not the financial crisis, but I feel like this is an event that was worth hedging the risk return when, and when SPY was trading up at 328. Um, after Apple and then uh, or, and after Amazon as well, I believe, after hours. It was giving you a good opportunity to hedge yourself. Now we're down a significant from that, but I don't think it's, you know, if you're worried about the market, I don't think it's too late to hedge at 324 spy what are your thoughts what are you doing with yours you you had I, I have too. a little bit not not as much as you because i've you already covered uh, i haven't covered anything kind of wish i did but uh, I kinda, well i wish i did too and i put it back yeah. on right now but yeah no but it, it's there for a purpose um how much do you think what china did here is affecting why the market's up i mean they're not allowing short selling on the markets, is it today or how long is it supposed to say? They'd issue a variable directive not to permit clients selling borrowed stocks. I mean, is that a fair market? No, it, I know. And they I did mean, this during the financial crisis too, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I did. A, I just analyzed the numbers for bright trading back during the financial crisis because they banned shorting on all financial stocks in the financial crisis, which is absurd. And uh, during that period of time, during the three-week ban, so you think automatically, oh, the financial stocks are going to go higher because they've been banned short selling. During that three-week period, the market was down. This is the financial crisis. During the ban, the market, overall market was down 18%. Financials were down 23%. So here you had short selling banned because they wanted to hold up the financial stocks. And the financial stocks ended up being down more than the overall market. 
So it's stuff doesn't work to hold the markets up, you know, banning short selling. You need that efficiency in there. I mean, the first people that start a rally are the shorts. I know. You know I was when, just gonna when, when you're seeing markets go straight down, everybody's scared to buy, but the short's not scared to buy because they're bringing in the profits. Yeah. So they're the first people that add stability to the market when the market starts to go down, believe it or not. It's not the shorts coming in and bashing stocks down and people think there's bear raids and they're coming in and just bashing and everybody who shorts some uh, stocks are, are evil people. I mean, it just gives you price efficiency because you don't short stocks. That's why you see stocks like Tilray go to $300 a share because you couldn't get a locate. You couldn't find the thing and the thing goes irrational because it doesn't have a fair market happening. Now it's at 17. So everybody bought it at 250 and 300 can thank our regulators for not, you know, making it easier to short a stock like that. So uh, that's where, you know, the inefficiencies really happen is when you start to try to manipulate your markets by trying to mess with free market mechanics. Shorting is actually good for the market, guys. It keeps prices efficient. Next. So it's not just a ban on short selling, to be clear. It's also the, uh, the, the PBOC is injecting $174 billion of liquidity into the market via re reverse repo operations. And they have told some of their brokerages that their prop traders cannot be net sellers of equities this week. So take that. They're just trying to do everything they can to hold up the market. Shouldn't they be more concerned in the contagion? Like, let's stop the contagion. I, I then the markets, will, then the markets will hold up naturally. Stop this thing from yeah. spreading. Don't worry about your markets right now. They're going to get hit. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it makes you know, absolute sense that they get hit when we see what's happening over there. I'm, I'm surprised they're not down more. I mean, I think you need to start just focusing on the problem, not trying to manipulate the markets because they're responding to the problem. Yeah, you're probably right. We got some other drug news, Spencer. Something affects me and you. Here. Oh, some great, great drug news. Uh, immune therapeutics, ticker AIMT, uh, Amazon Mary, T's and Tango. This was from Friday night i believe uh but they have a drug that is a peanut allergy drug palforzia that got fda approval it is the first approved treatment of its kind for patients with a peanut allergy which both joel and i have though it won't work for us because it's only for children so, so you take this and then your peanut allergy goes away I, is that it did you do a little more i i mean that's part certainly yeah as for kids ages four to seventeen, and they they gradually uh, increase the uh, dosage. So this medicine has peanut flour in it, uh, and you gradually gradually increase the dosage over over time, and that builds up your immunity. So, so you're trying to that. give some exposure to it, right? I mean, I have the, a friend. This is how you do thing. it. Yeah, I have a friend um, that's their their child's very allergic to peanuts, and there he's on. He has to eat one peanut a day. Like the the, the kid's three or four years old now. And has to eat, or three, I think he's three, but they have to eat one peanut every day. And then they will monitor that closely, trying to build up the immunity. So obviously, you know, that's a different style. It's not a drug doing it, but um, it's, it's apparently helping with it. So, I mean, in some cases, you know, kids are deadly allergic. You maybe can't do that. But maybe when it's just, you know, slight aller allergy is a way to, you know, by introducing that a little bit, that your body can build the necessary immunities to it. I'm not sure, but that's what, the, what they've done with them is they, he's eating one peanut a day to try to build up that immunity to it. Is that under a doctor's orders or is he? Yeah, yeah, because, um, yeah, it, yes, it is. It was like, I don't know who it is, what doctor. I, I don't know the details of it, but I'm, I'm just yeah. telling you from, you know, it's a friend of my wife's and 
the, the kids eating one peanut a day to try to deal with this uh, sensitivity or allergy or whatever it is. I mean, obviously not an allergy that it kills them because, but I, I think he's supposed to be closely monitored as he's, you know, they got the EpiPen yeah, and everything closely monitored as they're introducing that. But I believe it is helping. So this kind of sounds the same thing, like a peanut powder in the pill to try to build up your immunity, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's yeah. Basically what so there's doing. something to that. I mean, and, and it's good, you know, I, I, there's people that are allergic to these peanuts all over the place. I mean, our kids yeah. can't go to school so, anymore. Joel and, are, Joel and I are. Both. There you go. So I, I, excellent. I, 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 this is good news show. here today. This is news that can drive a stock price. The one thing being said, though, and there was an analyst that came out and said, I guess this was expected, this approval. So the stock is up, but it was trading a lot higher after hours, and it's not up nearly as much. And somebody was saying this was expected, this approval. I don't know. I'm not following the story. I'm just saying, you know, what, what I've, I've read on Twitter is that, some, uh, that this was somewhat expected approval. So maybe that's why the stock's only up 14%. Yeah, I've never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I've never had to use an EpiPen either. But I know Spencer. Oh, you haven't lived, Joel. Yeah, Spencer. Actually, no, you have lived. That's why yeah, you haven't. Exactly. Were you, did you have that right? You guys both had that right from when you were born? Yep. Um, I'm well, a, I got how do you discover that? Like they give you some peanut butter and you go to the hospital? Like how do you well, discover? I, I had to get tested because we, uh, when I was a baby, we lived in Taiwan for six months and uh, I had to get tested for allergies before I went overseas. So that's how they found out gotcha. uh, that I was allergic. But I don't, I, normally you just, you eat it yeah, and, then, and, then you, and then you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Either way, you know. <laughs> yeah, Ambulant 911, he's allergic to peanuts. <laughs> Stay close to the hospital when you're eating your first peanut. Pretty much. That's how it goes. <laughs> uh, we got a big pop in that AIMT. Uh, not quite to an all-time high. We got to 39.71. And if you looked at that all-time high, the issue made, that was at 42. So that's a little ways away. But you're starting to fade right now. And you're under a critical level. I'm going to use $37. The reason I'm going to use 37 is because you had three highs in that area back on the 15th, 16th, and 17th of the month, with 37 being the highest number. We're a buck 33 away from there. So, boom, I'm using that. Got to get over 37, or this could very easily just roll over and get back a lot of those gains. The market is all about expectations. So that's why I was just giving the warning that some people are saying this was expected. So, and sometimes, you know, you have this, you know, boom, boom, everybody gets excited. And then uh, when the real money comes in after 930, that's when you get real pricing. I mean, that's the one thing about the pre-market and after hours trading um, and is that you get these moves because the big money, the institutional money, you know, yes, sometimes, but you know, most of your big money managers aren't coming in at four in the morning and trading. I mean, they're getting paid. They're not going and leaving their families at four in the morning, you know, to, to go and trade. It's, you know, prop traders like me that are getting paid directly for my performance. Obviously they get paid performance, but I get paid hundred percent of my performance. So it's a different story. That's why the big money really comes in after 9.30. The big money is trading from 9.30 to 4. There's more liquidity there. You know, if you want to move big money in and out, it's, it's more difficult in the pre-market and after hours. So you see big moves. Um, it can give you great indicators. We love it as indicators. And we love it, you know, to, to look, you know, for, you know, obviously where the stocks are going to be strong, which stocks are going to be weak. But on some thinner names, it's still price discovery still happening even after 9.30. And no, I was not happy in the Super Bowl commercial when they said Mr. Peanut was dead. Did you see that? What? No, I didn't. I missed that one. Yeah, they dumb marketing campaign. <laughs> don't even what was worry. that about? Don't even worry about it. It's just a dumb marketing thing. Mr. Kool-Aid was there, and uh, Mr. Peanut died, and they were burying him in the commercial. And then 
after it looks like it was over, then this little baby peanut popped up through, sprouted from where Mr. Peanut was dead. And it's like, I'm back. So that that was the commercial. So Mr. Peanut's peanut back. died, but now I, they have baby just, peanut. So all the people with peanut allergies were how cheering, many, and then the baby peanut came back. They're like, oh. I, I just, just how many billable hours <laughs> and, 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 and meetings went into that commercial? I mean, how, like, how, like how much? What was the cost of a commercial this year? Like, how much labor went into that commercial? How many, how many uh, weeks or months of meetings and plans did that did that commercial take? Um, Super Bowl. What was your question, Dennis? How what much? was the cost this year? Of one was, thirty second ad. It was a uh, five point two million dollars. Holy, that's got big. That's that's that's. Crazy I'm sorry. I'm money. sorry. That was that was not this year's number. Was uh, it? No, that still, was a, still big. That was a couple. Six point five. Mitch is saying. Six point. Yeah. Sorry, I read. I read. Six that. and a half million bucks uh, to get a thirty second mansion. Holy mackerel! Big money. Big money. No whammy. <laughs> we could get him some much better advertising rates. I'm right. telling you, yeah, pre-market prep. We'll be we'll be under six point five, guys. Come give us a call. We'll yeah. be under six point five. All right, let's look at uh, Google here. Uh, really, not much in the way of earnings this morning or after the close today. It's 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 you know, Monday is typically the, the lightest day of the yeah. week. Uh, so, we're, but we are, we do get Google. It is the big report of the day, and they're due after the close today. We're looking for an EPS. Of twelve dollars fifty-five cents on a revenue of forty-six point nine three billion dollars. I'll pull up the Goog chart here, and we have to figure that they're going to beat on both after what we saw last week. Hard though, Facebook missed, so I think it's still a you know crapshoot, and even the response to it is a is a crapshoot. What's the what are we looking at on a straddle here, Joel? You got it? Uh yeah, actually I do have. Where did uh where did it close at? Uh, we had a uh, fourteen thirty-four. So grab. The- 1435 close that'll okay. do it okay uh i'm gonna go with the google because that's what sure. you like uh 1435 let's call 40 bucks on the call and let's call it 42 on the put 80 points the the implied- it, it worked with tesla worked with amazon so straddle raiders have been beat up on a few stocks this quarter so 80 points it sounds right to me the sounds implied right move is 5.6 percent. that's the implied move yeah, 5.6% or 80 points. We like to look on points. I mean, 1,500 is your wall of resistance up there. That's where you got the little triple top. What happens there? I am long Google in the long-term portfolio. I've been long it for almost a decade. It's been one of my best stocks. I think I'm averaged in at, I don't know, because it's split from Goog to Google. I originally bought a 500, but then I got two stocks, and then I had the other thing. I think it, it averages down like 250 bucks I'm in from. So long-term investing has worked in Google. Working in that one for you for sure. Yeah, uh, I just looked at the, the Google here, and you did have those uh, trio of highs, right? Fifteen hundred all time high, and that one's fifteen fifty, fifteen hundred point five eight, and then G O O G all time high, and that is only fifteen oh three twenty. Dennis, you can't. Do you ever try and arb those, or is that absolutely impossible? Oh, uh, it's the, the HFT's got this now. Uh, the odd time something after hours you can do it, but it's really tough. That and the ones that you call the share class arbitrage, you can call it, or contractual arbitrage. Um, you, you got the via B versus via A. You used to, well, you used to have the via B versus via A. Obviously, that merged, but it's a VIAC versus I don't even know what the symbol on the VIA one is now. It's it's different because obviously after the merger with CBS. But there's you know there's discovery. Some of the a lot of your media stocks have two classes: LGF.B, LGF.A. 
on an earnings event or something, you might have a shot, but the, the HFT guys got this pretty good. That stuff, when I used to do this, you know, 20, 15 years ago, and a little bit algorithmically as well, um, there was an opportunity, there was edges. Now the HFT guys got that pretty good. So it's hard to make money trading Goog versus Google. Uh, what about with other um, types of these stocks? So Under Armour, Carnival... Yeah, it, there, there is the odd, odd, I would say on a news event, sometimes something can get out to lunch there a little bit in the pre-market, not so much during the day, but sometimes in the pre-market, you can get a slight opportunity, but they're few and far between, Spencer. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll put this in perspective for you. I know a lot about this contractual trade. In 2000, I think it was 2003 or 2004, I think I've told this story on the show before, yeah. I exclusively traded VIAB versus VIA. That was my stock. I traded that thing continuously. Um, and I actually traded it so much that I was trading on the VIA. I was trading over 10% of the volume a day. So if you bought or sold VIA, Viacom, that the A shares in the year 2003, there was a one in 10 chance you bought or sold it from me. So I was trading it a lot. And there was other couple people in our firm that were trading it, uh, trading it as well. So probably like between, you know, the guys at Bright Trading, which we had 400 traders in our firm at one time, we're probably doing like 20, 30%, maybe 40% of the volume on that thing. So it was, you know, it was good, but I was going for, I was going for nickels on it. I was just in there trading for nickels. If ever I could buy the VIA below the VIA B, I would always do it because the VIA has the voting rights. It was the only difference. So obviously should never trade below the VIA B. So I'd automatically just put it on and I take it off. And where you really make some money is like on a news event uh, where even, you know, you got a big movement in the overall market. There was good opportunity. The algorithmic trading has come in and they've kind of just, you know, pretty much mastered that. So it's very hard as a human or even an algorithmic trader like myself, sometimes I use algorithms, but I'm not going to be fast enough. You know, I'm not going to win the race. I'm not spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on technology to win the speed race. So it's difficult to make money trading those things. Like I said, the odd time pre-market after hours, you might get a news event that gives you a slight opportunity, but they're few and far between. All right, we got to talk about Tesla. We got to talk about Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. It goes up. If the market goes down, it goes up if the market goes up. The stock is unbelievable. That action on Friday was insanity. I mean, they were hitting every single stock across the board. Tesla was up. Tesla closed at the highs. What are you thinking if you are actually short Tesla? I mean, just analyzing it. If you're short Tesla and you see the market and the Dow down 650 points and you see Tesla trading higher, what is going through your head? If they can't go down when the Dow's falling 650, what's bringing the stock down? I mean, eventually it's coming down. You know, eventually it will come down just because it's, it's been a ridiculous run. But this thing, it, when you're seeing relative strength like that, it's telling me the run is not over. And here we are. So market goes down 650 or whatever we went on the Dow on Friday. And the Tesla trades higher on that. And here we go up just a little bit. And Tesla rips higher now, another 24 points. If you're just trading the relative strength indications off of this thing, it would have had you long on Friday. And you'd be really happy here this morning. I mean, we might see 700 here today. We might go to 600 to 700 in three days. We obviously had an earnings event in there, but this is just absolutely incredible. The trading action in this, I've almost never seen a stock of this market cap. You know, it's not like this is like a little $5 billion company that's going to $15 billion. I don't know if I've ever seen a stock, a $100 billion market cap, put on market cap this fast. It's, uh, it's so impressive. Uh, what's there to say? We're at 75, 79. <clears throat> That's where your, your high is right now. You're right off that level. 
Uh, if you're short, I don't know what to tell you. If I would have been trading that thing actively and short and the market was going down, I would have been get shorting more and getting crushed. So I'm like, <laughs> don't follow, exactly what don't I would have draw on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if the only thing I could say is if you have a target, take your target. Uh, if it's 680, it's 680. 690, 690, it's 700. If you don't have a target, then, you know, don't worry about it and don't think about it. Where to buy? I, I don't know what to tell you on this one. I mean, I won't say I've been wrong. It's, if you're I, buying I, it now, you are so late to the party. I could have said that all. We well, have been saying it all the way up. <laughs> we have been saying it. Well, we got to stop saying it. I mean, I've been it. bullish the stock. I stay bullish the stock, but I. I can't bring myself to buy it, you know, when it was 500, when it ran from 400 in a week. I can't bring, I'm not chasing. I mean, the chase has worked in this case. Is there you, news did have, you did have a couple pullbacks in there. But, is there news? Uh, does it need news? There, yeah, there's never, yeah. It never Tesla, needs news. Tesla, it just goes. News. It just goes. Uh, I haven't seen any news this morning on Tesla. I saw some uh, about a battery in China, but. No, I don't think anything that would. It just goes. You know what? It, it could people. be. Remember when I got my Apple Watch? Remember wait, that? wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before you get to that, didn't you drive Jason's Tesla this weekend? I was supposed to. You didn't, Jason. I'm supposed to get yeah, it. Remember, Jason like gave Joel. His, said he was going to give Joel to for a week. Where is he? Is he in the office? I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not. But now. I texted him on Saturday. Okay? He didn't give you his car. I texted him on Saturday, and it was kind of icy. And he said that he wanted to take me out on the freeway and really jack it up to like one fifty, one sixty. But it was, he didn't, it was snowing. He, yeah, he said yeah. it was snowing, so he didn't want to do it in the snow. And I think I didn't. I just want the car. I really don't want to drive one fifty, one sixty. If Lisa's listening, she would shoot me if she knew. If I was the cops going. are listening, they're going to shoot right. me too. Um, and then on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, I was running around and doing some stuff. I think Josh had a basketball game. So we're All either right. going okay. to okay. do it at lunch today. Fine. Stay away from Joel All on right. the road. Sean, oh, look Sean, who's here. Sean, have you driven a Tesla before? Oh, wait. I, I got him on mute. My bad. Here, let's try this again. He looks laser focused here. Yes. He <laughs> uh, Sean, have you driven a Tesla before? Testing, testing. Yeah, we got you. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't driven a Tesla and I, and I really can't say that, that I really have wanted to drive a Tesla. Um, there is a new Roadster coming out that it's possible I might think about buying um, because I did think about buying the initial Roadster uh, many years ago. <clears throat> that, that's, that's the only Tesla that, that kind of strikes my fancy. The truck, I actually thought, I made a mistake when I saw the truck. I can't say I knew it, but you know when you guys, when you kind of know what trade's going to work, at least your brain thinks it's a high <laughs> conviction. You know a trade's going to work. And honestly, when I saw the truck, I'm like, the stock's going to go up. So I uh, thought the exact opposite. When I saw the truck, I thought the stock was going to go down. It yeah, looked no. ugly. Why did you think the stock was going to go up on the truck? That because, thing's ugly. Because I think it's everything that the Tesla bulls want it to be. And I, I Indestructible. Think it's that simple. And I think that... Um, I think they're, you know, I'm in contact with, with plenty of youth and the kind of Tesla fans and things, and, and they, they love it. Their instant reaction was they love it. It's kind of like, I, I guess I would equate it to the new Star Wars movies that, that I absolutely can't stand, but tons of people love them. So, you know, uh, but I honestly, I kind of like the truck. I, the, the Roadster and the truck, I think, are 
I, I personally, those are my two favorite vehicles because to me, those are advanced, cool, crazy EV vehicles. Like, like why would you want to buy a sedan EV for 130000 bucks? when, by the way, I could take somebody to a great car lot I know and buy an unbelievable used vehicle, Beamer, Mercedes, whatever, for thirty-eight to $45,000. I'm talking five series Beamer or E-Class Mercedes. So to me, the value per dollar on, on a Tesla is just, is, is terrible. But if you want to get a cool Tesla, well, the Roadster or the truck might be kind of cool. So what are your thoughts on, I, I don't know if, when, when, I don't remember the last time we spoke to you, but uh, it had to have been before a good chunk of, of this recent move in Tesla here. So like, what are your thoughts on, on just the stock here? Well, my first thought is I, it's a stock I don't really do much on. I, I, think, I think most people would probably be better off trading other things because I think for most people, Tesla, they're going to lose money trading Tesla. And I, I, I stay away from Tesla too. Yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> it's stock trade. You know, you know, but part of the way to make a lot of money in the market is to know the 98% of the trades that you just shouldn't do or 98% of the investments to stay away from. And, and if you can focus in on things that you can make money on, you're going to have immense success. And, and mo most people just don't, I guess they don't have a filter or they don't have a way to, to know what to stay away from or something. But so that my first thought on Tesla is basically I ignore Tesla. I, I did short it at 496. Uh, I, I use put spreads. Those put spreads are worth zero now. I was right. I was incredibly right for one day. <laughs> I was. I was. It was down like 25 points the next day. The problem is, since I was in put spreads, they were only up. I don't de minimis. I mean, I could have taken some some kind of a gain. It was it was probably a decent percentage gain. But when I'm in a put spread, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, let's let's say I'm paying three bucks or five bucks for the spread. I mean, you know, I want to make 100 percent pretty much, right? I probably don't take it off. So, you know, if I was up 20%, to me, it's de minimis. And yeah, I was up for a day and it's been down ever since. And, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. I still have time on it. I, I need it to go to four. I think I need 460 to max the spread. Never say By never. By the way, that could happen in a day. So I'm how, not, how, no much, way I'm how much more time you got on that? Uh, I think I got two weeks. February 21st, I think. But that, that was also uh, part of a hedge, right, over the overall. And that's the other thing I want to talk to you about. It was, but let me, let me add that. The only bad thing, I actually thought Tesla would work as a hedge. It's actually a terrible hedge because the market went down. <laughs> so in other words, I, I kind of, I mean, just so you guys know, and I kind of I alluded to this when we, were on, when we were doing our hour spots. The only thing I was buying in late December, as you remember, were my January Fed trades and I was raising cash. I literally raised cash for five weeks straight. I just want so, to talk to you about that. I just sure. want to talk so, to you because people well, well, real, real quick. Down. I raised cash for five weeks straight, but and so, so I put on some hedges. Tesla was one of the hedges and Tesla did exactly opposite. I got the correction I wanted and Tesla went up. <laughs> so that, that's the problem with using Tesla for a hedge. It doesn't work. <laughs> but so you were in that cash raising mode in January before any of this, you know, coronavirus started, correct? Yep. yep. Right. So had nothing to do with coronavirus. The market just kept going up. And every day the market go, went up, I raised cash, pretty much. All right. So we did have a, uh, a correction of somewhat, right? The Spoos hit, uh, 
33.37.50. We broke down to uh, 32.12.75. So my question to you is, is, you know, is the correction over? Is it time just to full in, buy the dip here? You missed the low on Friday, the low of the move, and we're going right back up to all-time highs. Is Honest, that honestly, I don't know. I, 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 to, I, today feels like it's a little, uh, a little vulnerable. Um, I mean, I so so last week, early in the week, I said I felt we had anywhere from 400 to 700 points lower in the Nasdaq. I think we put in 250 to 300 for the rest of the week. So my initial, my kind of my, my, my high target on the low side was another 100 points in the NAS. So I said 89.25 on the NASDAQ, I think was my initial target. And, but then, I mean, I got room that it could, it could go another 300 beyond that. Um, and I don't know, we'll see. I, I, you know, the China, China brought some bar barrels to play. I mean, they, you know, the stimulus, I think they cut rates a little bit. Oh, short selling. Ton of liquidity. So, so, so to me, it's not so much the numbers they're doing. It's the fact that China is going to be very, you, we, we basically, the markets now are on watch that China is going to be very proactive to basically get stocks higher and protect their economy. So you better respect that because it's like fighting the Fed. It's like, if you're shorting stocks and the Fed's lowering rates, you're going to get steamrolled. So my guess is if you're shorting Chinese stocks, at some point, all they need is one headline that virus they're is getting more better. Yes, they're curing more people than are dying or something. I don't know. The, the, yeah. It's literally will turn the corona selling will stop on a headline. So I can't predict when that headline. I don't know. I don't that's think true. we've seen it yet, though. It, I don't think true. we've. Oh, go ahead, Dennis. No, I just going to say that's exactly true. This will stop on a headline. Anybody who's looking at technicals and saying, well, I can tell where the stock's going to, where, where Chinese stocks going to start, start going down by looking at the charts. No, there's no I, way. I, I don't think that's even possible. It's all headlines. I mean, if this continues to escalate and get worse, China stock's going lower. If they solve, the, or if they start getting contained, virus, you know, and we get, you know, the virus gets contained and we get a vaccine coming out, they, you know, we, we saw even, I think a lot of today's rally is even to do with Gilead. You know, with yes, potential yes. vaccine. Gilead's up. In fact, you know what? I don't even, I, I, I had a weird feeling that Gilead, I was li literally looking at Gilead and there was another one I was looking at. But, but just so you know, I haven't played a single antiviral trade. I, I, I don't, same thing. I'm like, okay, I'm Flip better off just staying away from that stuff. But, but anyway, Joel, to specifically answer your question, I, I think we go a little lower maybe, but it's going to stop on a headline. And we're at the point where I don't really know. I mean, I will say this. A lot of stocks that I like have, have are back in viable ranges for me. Give so, us a couple of those. Because yeah, I'm sitting yeah. with a ton of cash now, and I will yeah. eventually put some of this cash back to work. Give me a couple names, Sean. Sure. Well, I mean, even like high quality on the high quality side, I really like Dell, uh, especially for you. If you if I already you own like it. Your, <laughs> I if you it. like your long, you know, your long term portfolio. Yeah, I do. I like, this is the long term stuff I'm talking. Yeah, like you'll sit on stuff literally for two or three years, like I will, or more, or decades, seven years. I mean, Dell Dell is worth fifteen billion more just on the VMware stake they own. It's the ultimate ARB play, long-term ARB play. So, so it's worth 15 billion more just on the VMware stake. But I think Dell's just cheap on its own merits. So then another one, uh, kind of my long-term favorite 5G play high quality is Qualcomm. I mean, Qualcomm, I mean, it's not where I would call it like I'm buying leaps again on it, but um, I mean, it's pulled back huge, pretty, pretty good pullback. If, if you believe they're going to report well for the next two or three quarters, which I do, this is probably a pretty good price because I think the stock's 
you know, minimum $100 stock and probably more like $150. So, so, so if you kind of believe in 5G and believe Qualcomm's kind of the king of 5G, that's the easy one too. But the ones I'm more like are like things like IIVI. Um, I'm starting to look at Adtran, uh, ADTN. Um, Lumentum, which is L-I-T-E, reports tomorrow morning. I think they're going to have a crusher of a good report. That should is help. That, does it concern you about the virus though, with Apple going down right now? With that, like, not not really because because I'll just sort of take what you know if they want to put a little more pain. First of all, that's only one market. I, it's more. Yeah. Of, I guess if they have a full disruption, be more of a manufacturing disruption as opposed as opposed to a global supply disruption. So now I'm not. I mean, again, there's no way to really time the exact low on high beta stocks. But I'm, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, starting to wade into some of them. Um, Might not be a bad I think, idea. I mean, I, I, think, I think earnings are going to be pretty good, too. I mean, Sirius had a blowout earnings. Maxim was super good. You know, the Apple food chain's fine. I, don't, I, don't, I, I really don't think a lot of tech sales are going to be crimped. I think the sales are being crimped. Are, like, we're seeing it. People are driving cars less. You know, they're, they're probably going out to eat less. Um, so I don't know. I don't think people are really buying fewer computers or iPhones or pat tablets or tech. Pro In fact, they might be sitting at home and ordering <laughs> stuff online and getting stuff shipped to them. I, I don't know. But anyway, the five, the five G sell off and it had, you know, there's probably, I, I have about 20 or 30 stocks that follow in the five G space. They're really, they, they haven't been immune at all. They've, they've actually taken a pretty good hit. And I almost think that's kind of counterintuitive um, to the selling. So, so that, that's the kind of stuff I, I tend to like. We're on the line with Sean Udall. He's the CEO of Quantum Trading Strategies. Uh, talking about the um, Apple uh, stocks related to that, how about Skyworks, SWKS? You know, I really liked it a lot lower. It's just hard for me. I went short it, um, but I like, you know, I, God, where was it? 68 to kind of 75. I really liked it. Um, it's hot it's move yeah i mean a lot of my subs did very well i even said look i'm not buying it because i'm buying other things like that i was long vicor at the time when skyworks was really cheap that was also one of those periods of time where iibi was probably 30 bucks um so so there were other things i kind of liked better at the time but i it was a nice play i i also was looking at corvo uh right around 70 72 i think um i never bought that but that's had a big move um, you know, the, the one here, here's one that's interesting. There's a stock called national instruments. I'm sure, sure you both have heard of it. NATI, um, probably one of the best reports last week that never got talked about at all was their report. This is sort of a growth reacceleration story. They have very good. In fact, they have a lot of, uh, a, a very uh, robust 5g portfolio and stock was actually up. I think it was up 10% in after yeah. hours. Yeah. And then it opened the next morning up about around where the after hours high was. And then I think it finished the day up about a buck. So this thing, and if you put a, if you put a, a like a five-year chart on this, like a weekly chart, it's, it's not like it's dirt cheap because it's probably doubled off oh, 16 lows or 17 lows, but it's had about a three-year consolidation. So, so, you know, another one, I don't know if Dennis, you probably own this one. I don't know. What do you think about Cisco? 
I, I kind of think it. the time for Cisco is kind of right now. Um, so I like Cisco a lot too on the kind of the boring high quality stuff. I like Cisco a lot. I've been, I've been uh, in this one. I bought it after, I bought it when it was really coming down, but I bought it before that one earnings report and then it gapped down on me. It came back but up. Look I'm at in this around beautiful, 50, so I'm down look at this beautiful drop on this thing. And th this, this is a very high quality company and they could do well while other technology stocks are not. They, they, I firmly believe they're going to go into at least a hold their growth phase, if not a, a accelerate uh, their slow growth phase. I mean, long-term investing is such a tricky animal. And, you know, sometimes you got to take some heat for a while before the trades turn in your favor, especially when you're a contrarian, like, you know, I am and Sean is as well. You I do. mean, Activision Blizzard was one that we talked about on this show for a while, being cheap under 50, but it was there for like a year. And finally, you know, it's starting to show a little bit yeah. of life here, you know, after all this time. But I mean, there's, you know, it, it's tricky as a long-term investor. You've got to, you can't just, you know, want to just all of a sudden, you know, have gratification. It's nice as a trader to get immediate gratification. But sometimes my, some of my best long-term investments have been stocks that I've just kind of put in my long-term portfolio, forget about them. And then look, you look at them, you know, in a few years and they're significant winners. So just doing your homework. Yeah. Well, my family, I actually think Cisco, okay, like things get into ranges where, okay, it's a good, it's, it's probably a good investment buy, but now trades start setting up on it, right? You, again, I, I always tell everybody, one of my, I mean, it's one of the most simple technicals, but hey, look, if a stock gets back above the five EMA on a daily chart now, so for one, well, I should back up. If it's below the five EMA and going down, you can wait on it. You're, you're just, you're not going to miss a, a lot if you wait at least for it to get back above the five EMA. So, you know, on something like a Cisco, you know, you can wait, you, maybe you miss a point or something, a point and a half, gets back above the five EMA, might be a pretty good trade. Unless you want to take a knife grab, I think it's, uh, it might be a decent nice knife grab. Here's what I was hoping for though. I was hoping for one or two more down days. Not, not like, I didn't think we we're gonna get as big a down days as Friday, but I was just kind of hoping for one or two more down days. Like again, anywhere from another 75 to 150 NASDAQ points, I think a lot of stuff would start setting up really good, but we, what, we, we might be there right now. On the Cisco, that would bring you into like the 43, 44 range, which is the exactly. bottom of the range. So, I mean, and that's the one thing about technicals. We said, you know, you can't predict, you know, maybe, you know, what the next headline is going to be to which way to drive us. But at the same time, you can still use technicals to look at your levels and say, hey, if we get a bad headline here, this is where this stock, you know, I've liked it for a while. This is where it could potentially hold up. Exactly. So you can always use the levels, even though, you know, sometimes they're not going to be able to allow you to predict the direction of the next move because we're a headline driven market right now, depending on this virus. And then, I, and then the last area, I mean, I, I think Chinese equities are setting up really well. And I, it, you know, again, this is going to be probably a tougher bottoming call again, right. because it's going to be a headline. So we're all going to wake up one morning and go, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't buy more China stuff yesterday or two days ago. But right. Here's the one thing that's happening, I know for a fact. Their money is coming out of U.S. equities. Now, this is by the largest institutional investors in the world, and they're going to do this for the next year, at least three or four quarters. They're going to divest of U.S. equities, and they're going to reallocate to EEM. And the largest part of EEM is China. So the, the China is going to see a lot of inflows, and they're not going to see inflows for three weeks. They're going to see inflows for three quarters. So whenever this coronavirus thing is done, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to have a pretty good pull up in a lot of Chinese equities. So the higher the quality and the better the growth they are, I think the better they'll act. So I, I think, I think if you get an opportunity to buy high quality Chinese equities on, you know, like literally where they're dropping 20%, 25% in a week, 
you know, that's probably a pretty good, again, could be both a trade and an investment. Anything on the short side here real quickly before we let you go? And well, you, uh, again, now, now the short side's getting tougher. Um, yep. uh, I, I was in some, you know, I'm in some SQQ calls. I mean, most of my shorts are really hedges. Yep. Uh, I, my only tactical slash investment shorts right now are Microsoft and Ring. Uh, I've got a couple other high value software ones, but those, those are probably my two favorite. And, 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 you know, Microsoft, I think is a lot like Apple. If, if, if it, if the market keeps going down, I'm pretty sure Microsoft will go down. So I like that just for the like fact Tesla. that look, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's off. I think it's opposite Tesla. Like if, if the QQQs are down, I think it's very, very high probability. Microsoft for sure. Is lower. Uh, and then Ring, I think, is just almost the opposite of where we – I liked Ring a few years ago where it was crazy cheap stock between 10 and 20. I think it's kind of becoming a crazy expensive and, – and Ring is easy to pair because you can own a VIA, A-V-Y-A. So you can be long a VIA, short Ring, beautiful pair trade, but I think Ring's a good short. So that, that's it. I don't – I'm sure I'm, – I, my, my short my, – really, my hedge has, has been cash. I don't know. For some reason, I just felt like raising cash was a better it's hedge. Easy. Yeah. It's much easier. It much is. Easier. All right, Sean Udall has been on our guest today. He is the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies. Sean, thanks for the time and have a good hey, one. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Um, I just want to make a quick point when someone was, you know, we were talking about Tesla and targets and things like that. Texas Linda made a really good point. And she said she uses the average trading range, which is now 25.56 in Tesla. So I don't know what duration yeah. of the trading range that is, the average trading range. If it's $25? A day. Oh, my average- God. Oh my oh, that's crazy. Gosh. I mean, it's a six hundred dollars stock now. So put that in perspective. I, I guess you're right, but it's not a lot. I guess I, it seems high, but I guess you're right. It's not no, on a percentage. But that is, <clears throat> when you use that, then you're you, you're taking targets and you're saying, okay, this is the norm. This is what the market gives me. But we you know what a days when it, you know, okay, you got to determine. Well, yeah. this is not going to be an average day here. <clears throat> it's going to be fifty points, and then maybe if you have three or four days. Where it only moves ten or twelve points, it gives you a key too. Like, hey, you know, maybe a move's coming, another move higher. But uh, I just thought that was a great point by uh, Texas Linda, a veteran here, a veteran listener of uh, Benzinga's. All right, I want to get to some ratings here. There are a few big ones: Goldman Sachs downgrading Exxon Mobil this morning to sell. They're also downgrading Northrop Grumman NOC to sell as well, uh, and they're downgrading uh, LAIX to sell. Uh, from the, that's all from Goldman Sachs. There, we're also what is the other one? L A L L A I X. Uh, I don't follow that company at all. Maybe you hit one that I don't know. Uh, there, uh, I'm just gonna run through the list here. Uh, BMO Capital is downgrading EA to uh, their version of neutral. Credit Suisse is downgrading Viacom uh, or Viacom CBS and Verizon to neutral. And we, we get a Royal Caribbean downgrade. Which is interesting because we've been talking about that as it relates to the coronavirus. Right. So, but uh, that's that's what I saw as far as downgrades. Uh, Exxon Mobil was the big one at Goldman Sachs along with NOC. Upgrades are crazy. There's a ton uh, of upgrades a here. Ton today. Of, yeah, a this lot is of guts. That takes guts. Upgrades. I mean, I guess people are saying that buy the dip. They're sending all these stocks by the dip. Biggest upgrade I'm seeing this morning, uh, or what I think could be for the day, is the Nike upgrade at UBS to buy. Yeah. For sure. UBS upgrades Nike from neutral to buy, raising their price target from 103 to $136 a share. 
What that, that that may be the biggest call of the day. Wow, there are a lot. All, all of these upgrades are trying to catch a falling knife because all these stocks were straight down on Friday. So you got to give the analysts some props for having some guts. And we got Seagate getting upgraded, Stiefel to buy. Uh, I'm just trying to look at you know some of the other ones, uh, widely traded names. Bluebird Bio, that'll move. That's getting upgraded by yeah. Evercore. Yeah. So BLUE, which has been down significantly as well. Stock that I've been eyeing for a while. Um, which one's that? Bluebird Bio. It's okay. one that I thought if it got back down to the low 70s that I might actually put some cash to work on it. I mean, you know, you can't look at this as a valuation play. I always just thought it was it could eventually be an acquisition target um, because, you know, there's obviously the, a couple of their peers were bought in the last few years. Um, so I don't mind this one, this call on Bluebird Bio, although I'd, I'd like it in the lower 70s. And uh, Dennis, you know what your trade of the day on Friday was? What's that? When uh, when you took the loss on the Chevron bet, oh, it was I, I sucker you suckered me into that and I suckered you out of it. I was all over the chips and a pop. I was like, yeah, I'm wrong on this one. This thing's going down. I mean, they're ugly. Exxon and Chevron. This is going to tell you guys. Like we've talked about oil stocks on this show, and people would look at my portfolio and they'd say you're nuts because I have almost no exposure to uh, to oil. Like very little. The only way I do is indirectly through some Canadian ETFs because there's a lot of Canadian ETFs that are chucked full of oil. So indirectly I have some exposure, but I've sold, I used to have ExxonMobil. I used to have a lot of oil stocks. I just, again, I believe the electrification of cars is something that is coming. This isn't like, you know, a short-term downtrend where, you know, we can see catalysts for bringing this higher. I look at the long-term prospects for oil and oil companies as being very poor. We're going electric. You know, you can see it's priced in Tesla. The other automotive companies have to figure it out as well, which they will. But that is all bad news for stocks like Exxon and Chevron and Conoco. There's going to be rallies. You know, there's been some significant rallies in these things before. But I think the long-term trend is still your friend in all these oil companies. And I'd be a seller of rallies in all of them. You've been sticking with that one. Spencer, anything? That, uh, just a, a couple more. Monster Beverage. We haven't talked about that in a while. Upgrade at Morgan Stanley to overweight this morning. Um, Ulta Beauty upgrade at Goldman Sachs to buy. Herman Miller. Nah, that's not a, not a notable uh, firm. That's uh, What else do we see? GD upgrade. General, General Dynamics upgrade at Argus to buy. And... Um, I think that's it as far as the earning the upgrades that really call my eye. You mentioned Seagate already. Yep. And uh, okay. So on that note, that will do it. Oh, Charter Communications upgrade at Credit Suisse. Down. A lot of ratings. Just yeah. overall thoughts here. Again, oh, I wait, think... I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. Do we think the results of the Iowa caucus tonight could impact sentiment tomorrow? No. Like, it, like if Bernie wins tonight. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. I will say Bernie is a factor here with the markets. It's a muted factor. If we didn't have the whole coronavirus thing going on, everybody would be watching this story as it materializes. Um, the coronavirus headlines are just taking over and everybody's looking at that. So you're going to see any, you know, thing from that is not being as important. So coronavirus dominates all right now, but Bernie's important to this, you know, market and not so much in the good way. I mean, as Bernie gains steam, it's not good for Wall Street. So, you know, and obviously, you know, he's even, he's even, you know, been a proponent of, you know, financial transaction tax, which we've talked about and stuff. So as a trader, I'm kind of, kind of nervous myself, you know, about Bernie, you know, gaining steam like he is. So what are your thoughts on Bernie, Joel? Uh, I, I love what he stands like for. Well, I love that he stands for the little guy. Well, you know, I, I actually probably if I wasn't a trader, I'd probably be a fan. 
but um, as a trader, you know, I, this guy's trying to attack my trading career. <laughs> The Iowa caucus isn't always indicative. Yeah, of, I don't. Of, of, I, of who's I, I, I don't. I have the only thing I'm gonna say is I don't think the I, the winner of the Iowa caucus means anything. Right, year, right. I all. mean, and, 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 and historically, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not. At least recently, has not been a great indicator uh, for who will win the uh, or who 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 will even get the nomination. I remember when when Mike Huckabee won the Iowa caucus. What 2000? Yeah, well, two, two, 2008. Yeah, right. I yeah, I so. mean. It, and yeah, so it's not always an indicator of who will win the primary. It's just, but I would imagine if Bernie were to win tonight, it could impact the market sentiment uh, tomorrow. I I don't think so, but okay. Uh, anyways, we will see. Uh, uh, Brent, uh, I don't know if that's the Brent and our desk or uh, at Nick Cage nineteen seventy four uh, pointed out to us over the weekend that Apple has done an acquisition. You know, we were talking about buying anybody, and uh, you know who they bought. In I believe two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Who they buy? Siri. They well, bought Siri, that's... developer of a personal assistant app. Apple. But but, but who owned that? So stop for a second. That wasn't like a big because we were. I, I said big you know one, they've done one. little deals. They've done little you know stuff. You know even people you know they bought Dr. Dre. I mean you know Spinner pointed that out. They've done right. little stuff, right. but they've never. Be... It's never been their style to come and do a big deal. So I don't consider that like okay. uh, like a, a huge big deal. <laughs> they, they bought Dr. Dre or they bought Dr. Dre. Oh, I know. Well, they did. They basically did. They bought Beats. So they bought Dr. Dre. Okay. Well, <laughs> also, I love Dr. Dre. I'll uh, I'll retweet Andre. Uh, All right. Gotta uh, get keep wrap up the show before Dennis starts singing again. No, no, I'm gonna start singing rap songs. Okay, here. you can. Right? Always- and then, and then most of them are offside for the show. Yeah. Well, you can always give us a call, and if you want to hear Dennis sing outside of the show, uh, give us a call seven three four four nine four zero two four six. Email us premarket at benzinga.com. Thanks to our guest today, Sean Udall, and everybody in our chats for a free two week trial of Benzinga Pro and a discount thereafter. Click on the link for Benzinga Pro in the description of this YouTube video. A reminder about the Cannabis Capital Conference coming up February 24th and 25th in Miami. Go to BenzingEvents.com to learn, to learn more there. Uh, catch our show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And please remember all the inf- information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.